Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's going uh, okay. Yeah? It's going okay. Yeah. <laughs> George is still... It's been, it's uh, been a morning. George, George is in the throw-up phase of kids, and uh, so every day is a surprise. It's Every day is like a new discovery. Of what kind of uh, things going to happen? Mm-hmm. I told them, "Don't worry. Soon they'll all be out of the throw up phase." I don't even care if they're out of the throw up phase. Just uh, make it to the <laughs> make it to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then go back to bed and leave me alone. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. It's that time of the year. Yep. Yep, that's the uh, the, the my, fun of my wife is dealing with it right now yeah. as as we speak. So mm-hmm. I have a great wife, though. Yep. Well, you'll make it, George. Tomorrow is the conference. It is, or as people are listening, today is the conference. Today is the conference. Yeah, as this is released, <clears throat> today is the Christ-centered. Church's conference. The last one. The last one. Can you believe it? So what have we done in the in the Christ Center Church's conferences? The conference. We started we with started with the gospel. What yeah. We started with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that and surprisingly, you know, like people didn't they, they didn't love that. Didn't like it. Like I guess uh, <laughs> they thought like, oh, we got a collection of these uh, Reformed Baptist churches, they're all uh Calvinist mm-hmm. in their soteriology. Of course, we make that distinction, and uh, not too wild about it, but it was on the gospel, so I don't know what's not to love about that. But I would say that it was a success. The people that came, they yeah, they really enjoyed it. We did have one church uh, who was friendly to us and let us use their building because mm-hmm. we needed a bigger place. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, for, so, for a couple of years. Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, Trinity Church, Baptist Church. In, well, we were... In yeah, well, if you remember, we were supposed to have it at... Uh, at this church, we we're yeah. supposed to have it in this building, and that was when the uh, the flooding happened right. the first time. Walked in, and there was sewage everywhere. Yeah, so we were out of commission for several months. You so were, we had to move. We had to move the conference to another yeah. location. And then the next year, same place. It was uh, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The Reformation. That mm-hmm. was probably our biggest one. Mm-hmm. Tom Nettles uh-huh. came and he preached a couple of times. And we did the five he actu- solos. He actually read a quote from Martin Luther verbatim. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> it had so it had several cuss words in uh-huh. it. I thought some of the old la- I thought some of the old ladies were going to fall out. <laughs> you remember that, Larry? Yeah, he just read them like it was nothing. Yeah. Oh, Luther. Yeah. So we did the five solas, and then uh, the. Next year was was that the church or was that? I think it was. We did the church and then we did regeneration. Yeah, we Which did. One did we do? Like the doctrine of the church and then we did. You must be born again. Yes, doctrine of regeneration. So the doctrine of the church and doctrine of regeneration. regeneration. And then the five soul. Uh, and those no, were here. Those were those, those were, were in this building. And then tulip. And then we did. Uh, the yes, doctrines of the grace. Fi- yes, the doctrines we did the doc- of grace. It was called the doctrines of grace. Year. Well, yep. it was a long time ago because it was right when COVID hit. 
the first year COVID hit, actually, <clears throat> and we still had the conference. And then the Trinity Conference, we've been trying to do this conference for like two years. <laughs> it got canceled the first time. I can't uh, remember why. It was in fact... But then we moved it to February. We said, hey, you know what? February will be the better time to do it. Right. So it was supposed to be this February. Mm-hmm. Ice storm hit. Ice storm. And our parking lot was covered ice. with yeah. ice. Yeah. It was pure ice, like two inches deep. Uh, impossible to have a com- our conference. Yeah. And we, uh, we're going to have it. Finally going to have it on the Trinity. And uh, there's severe, severe weather. weather. Yeah. Going to be tornadoes. <laughs> It's like the crescendo. Well, you know hopefully, like, yeah. You're well, going to be preaching. You're going to be preaching on Friday night, and there's going to be lightning, just bam, 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 bam. Maybe. It's going to be God's special effects hmm. for you. Well, hopefully, the uh, the weather will have moved out by tomorrow evening. It's supposed to be tonight into tomorrow afternoon, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it is. Hopefully, tomorrow evening. Will what be, uh, will be What are you preaching on, George? Uh, the Trinity in the Old Testament. Okay. The Trinity in the Old Testament. And yeah. I, I'm thinking maybe we, uh, we'll need to do a free-for-all Friday on it because... <laughs> well, I thought it'd be a good idea, actually. People might have questions. When I was thinking about... Uh, we were talking earlier about plan, planning out some free-for-all Fridays. Not like this one. This one this one will be... You know, who knows what will happen on this show. Yeah, uh, There's all kinds of s- stuff. But we'll have some planned out. Yeah. And... Um, we said we'll do, we'll do some eschatology ones. Mm. That'll be fun. Yeah. Antichrist, you know, whatever. It, it'd be good times, you know, Mark of the Beast, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, is it a credit card? Is it the barcodes? It's obviously the COVID vaccines, is it, yeah. Jay. Is it the COVID vaccine? Yeah. So we'll do that. Um, then we'll probably do the Doctrines of Grace. Yeah. I think that would be a good one. We'll do sp- spend an episode on each mm-hmm. the Doctrines of Grace. And I think it would be fun if we did each of our sermons as a free-for-all Friday. Okay. It'd be cool if we could pull Josh King in here, too. Yeah. Maybe even Corey. Um, I don't know how we get Dennis in here, but he's kind of far away. Yeah. Maybe we could Skype him in or something. Who knows? That'd be fun. Yeah. We could test our uh, capabilities on the on the program, mm-hmm. get him up there on a little. We haven't had a guest in a while. I think that would be, f- I think that would be good. Maybe we'll do, yeah. maybe we'll just start next week. We'll go with yours. Yeah. Trinity in the Old Testament. I know people are curious about that. Um, to think, oh, did, did this just pop in out of nowhere? Right. Obviously, you're not going to say that it did. You're preaching a sermon from the Old Testament. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So once people see like this, this type of stuff, though, is uh, people shouldn't feel bad about not seeing it mm-hmm. uh, because you're always learning and you're never going to outlearn like what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think that, I, I think a lot of people do think. Well, this this just pops into the New Testament, um, and um, maybe just a little teaser for the sermon. I I think that the fact that the disciples um, just accept the Trinity without any arguments, and it, they they just accept it. I think that should that should uh, clue us into how they're reading the Old Testament, right? Yeah, perhaps it wasn't something that was entirely new to them, right? Yeah, there's some big there's some big clues. Yeah, that um, for whatever reason we have been reading and like not paying close attention to. Maybe you know I, what I mean. I, we can talk about it more like next the two week, y'all, but like I, the two y'all. Right, I think I think that the um, 
for whatever reason, I think that the really at the scholarly level, the idea of the Trinity is uh, just been accepted as kind of hinted at in the Old Testament, um, and then it's fully shows up in the New. Right. Um, I'll read a I'll read a quote from BB Warfield. Um, at the beginning of my sermon, I, I'm just going after BP Warfield like five minutes into my sermon. There you go. Uh, just, no, no fear. <laughs> and uh, um, I don't know. I, I I I think everyone just kind of accepts the the standard interpretation of of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Right. And I'm going to challenge it a little bit. And uh, I think just looking at Isaiah 63, the the text that I'm going to be looking at. Um, I, I just I, I'm pushing back against some of the just accepted interpretation. Yeah. I, once you, hey, once hey, you begin people, to... people may not like it. They may, they may be like, George has lost his mind. Right. That's the last conference. I don't care. That's yeah. the last, that's yeah. the last one. You know, as I was uh, looking at mine, preparing for what I'm, you know, I'm doing imminent Trinity uh-huh. or some call ontological trinity that's just who god is in his being mm-hmm. like who is he in himself apart from from creation and uh redemption mm-hmm. so before there was time there was god the only way we know about this is because he's revealed himself in time right but as i was looking through i was like man you know what text can i use i'm not comfortable preaching topical sermons yeah I, I didn't. We just I'm, don't do it. We don't do it very often. It's, yeah. So I was trying to say, like, what can I have as a text to ground me? And I didn't, never found one. So <laughs> I'm preaching a purely topical sermon. Okay. Um, mine's a mine's a hybrid. But I almost landed on John three sixteen. Okay. And well, and Nicodemus, uh-huh. and then John three sixteen, because okay. I think the imminent Trinity is revealed there mm-hmm. um, in John three sixteen because he's his only son. Who is sent? Yeah, like he didn't love the world, so he had a son. Yeah. So, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't just get everything I needed to. But what? what and I Nicodemus do, is like, God doesn't have a son. Right. Right. Yeah. No, he. Yeah. That's he not, doesn't. That's not his. That's not his. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not his question. But Jesus is. Uh, mm-hmm. He makes the statement about being lifted up. He says another thing about being lifted up later in John, and the people are like. But we've heard that the Christ is to remain forever. Mm-hmm. So what they're talking about, and what Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus, is all in like Isaiah or Ezekiel thirty-three through thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. If you look in those three chapters, yeah. all three members of the Trinity are present. Yeah, uh, it's very clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, it's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. And we have to. I I think we have to assume that Ezekiel knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. I'm I'm afraid the way that a lot of of people talk about the Trinity in the Old Testament, it verges on like the dictation theory of of inspiration. Well, what is that? People don't know. Like what that God means. God is just um the the author is basically just a a robot. I call it the poltergeist theory. Yeah, they're possessed and they're just yeah. writing it, or or they're hearing they're you know they're hearing it. And they're just writing what they hear, right? But they don't have any understanding about what they're they're writing. Yeah, um, that's not. That's I just not what uh, I, mean. I just I just can't buy it. Um, I think that they're carried Ezekiel, along by the spirit. I think I think Isaiah and Isaiah sixty three, all three members of the Trinity are there, mm. and I have to assume that Isaiah he may not understand 
it the way that we understand it. I I can accept that. Um, but he knows he he has understanding about what he's writing. Right. So should be an interesting uh, should be an interesting conference. Should be interesting uh, some interesting sermons. I'm yeah. Looking forward to hearing the other guys. Yeah, it, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a little uh, little glossary definition definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Philip about this. You know, I, we <clears throat> both went to seminary. Mm-hmm. I never heard these words mm-hmm. even in seminary, mm-hmm. which is just sad. Yeah, and we had good seminary educations. Mm-hmm. It, it just we just we don't really jump into the Trinity and know the history and the words that were used to help understand. Um, so I never, I didn't learn this stuff till I, you know, got into my doctoral work. Yeah. So people shouldn't feel bad when they come to like, what in the, what are these words? Oh yeah. Well, they're the words that right. all, all Christians used to know, mm-hmm. like not just the pastors, like all Christians used to know these words. Right. So we should maybe start using them again. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it for sure. You're going to come out with a dictionary of historical Christian terms yeah. that every Christian should know. I don't know about that. Wow. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> just trying to help you make money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a video for you, Jay. Uh, this will... Transitioning from a serious topic to uh, whatever this is. Okay. <laughs> and then we can go wherever you want to go, Jay. <laughs> this is all you got for me today? Is this video? I've got some other stuff, but uh, I definitely wanted to show this. Um, this was sent to us from... Uh, one of our church members. Okay, he thought that it was uh, he thought it was pretty funny, so he sent it to me, and I said, "This is definitely free for all Friday material," <laughs> and uh, well, I just thought we'd play it. All right, all right, let's see it. Just today, you walk in some of them. There's more beards in there than they are out in the street. I thought that was Stone Cold Steve Austin for a second. I'm gonna tell you something. Facial hair is not. Apostolic, however you want to cut it, it's compromised. <laughs> oh, man. I don't care if your leader says you can wear a beard, honey. Beard's nothing more than pride. You're not going to be dipped in Holy Ghost oil and run around looking like the world. We don't need beards. We need more oil. We need more Joe ashes. We need more people in an altar. We need more prayer rooms. We need more people digging into the things uh, of God. What in the world? And that's the bottom line. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can look in the so. recipe of anointing. You'll never find beards, brother Apley. You can look in the recipe. Does he not sound like Stone Cold? And he looks like if Stone Cold, if Stone Cold Steve Austin just. Uh, Stop working out. Oh, he just let himself go. Yeah, he went to McDonald's for three for three meals a day. Just let himself go. Maybe that is him. Do you think that's him? No, I don't, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like him, man. It kind of looks like him. Oh man, uh, who's shaving their beard first, George? <laughs> you want the Holy Spirit, don't you? you better shave. I don't want to be a compromiser. Jay. You better shave that beard. I don't want to be a compromiser. So yeah. it's not apostolic. How how weird would it be if if uh think about like Jesus in the Middle East? How weird would it be if he didn't have a beard? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so that's such a strange take. Mm-hmm. 
Like, when did men actually really get serious about shaving their beards? Was it like in the enlighten, Enlightenment period? I think there's probably a strong link to homosexuality involved. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> that's my guess. What do you think, Larry? I think that's a good theory. Uh, I mean, that's as maybe good a vic- as maybe any. the Victorian maybe the Victorian era. Yeah. I, I don't know. Right. But uh, it's probably. It, I mean, it's just a weird take. One one. What a weird thing to uh, to really hone in on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these other issues. This guy is definitely an IFBer. <laughs> I don't even need to see anything else to know. This guy's an independent fundamental Baptist. Yeah. Um, just such a weird thing to uh, to hone in on. You can tell by his style of preaching. Yeah. Huh? Uh, out of all the stuff you could you could go after, after guys wearing beards. Well, you and know what he's really going after. You know. You know what the IFB is going after. You know what they always go after. It's going after Calvinist. <laughs> Yeah. Who brought beards back? Yeah, you're probably Who brought right. beards back to America? You're probably Literally, right. the, the, the Reformed resurgence in Calvinist brought beer, uh, beards back into fashion in America. Now even non-Christian men are wearing beards. Yeah. You're welcome. We saved you from feminism. <laughs> you're welcome. Enjoy <laughs> you your can send your You can send your thank you cards to 1601. <laughs> you, know, you know, even in the military, they wore beards. Until yeah. uh, until um, chemical warfare came about, mm-hmm. and then of course you right. you gotta shave your beard because <clears throat> you want your gas mask to work really right. work really well, mm-hmm. obviously. So, um, but this uh, this idea that beards are not apostolic it's compromise. What do you do with the fact that they they literally pulled out Jesus's beard at his trial? He had to have one before they right. could pull it out. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, there's uh, there's uh, laws in the Old Testament about, <laughs> about them not right. trimming the corners of their beards. Yeah, do you, I trim the corner of my beard. Did you know that? I don't like it, because mine will grow like way back here. Uh-huh. Like if I, let's see here, look at the picture. There you go. Look at Look how crystal clear that picture is. This sucker will grow back here, uh-huh. and it it just connect to my to the hair on the back of my head. <laughs> It'd grow all the way around, make a loop. It'd be like a circle there where my ear is. <laughs> that's that's what my beard will do. So I trim. <clears throat> I have to trim the corner of my beard. But you're you not know, being kosher. I am new covenant. You're not being kosher. I'm new covenant and yeah. a and a gentile. Uh-huh. So right, yeah, I, I trim the corner of my yeah. beard. Uh, so for the uh, the two people that are still listening. Uh, hopefully hopefully this has been instructive yeah i mean the beards i almost feel like men are obligated in a sense now to grow beards because the gender confusion that's going on today right the blending of of genders that men are dressing like women women are dressing like men and all of this and, and the fluidity i think growing the beard is a way to com- combat it you know what I mean? Like, I'm resisting. I'm resisting the uh, the insanity of the culture. You know what I mean? It's a good. It's a cause. It's a. It's something. It's a good cause that men can get behind. Grow a beard. Maintain God's distinctions between the genders. What do you think? Yes. Um, even um, 
desiring God. <laughs> Even desiring God. Um, Piper. Well, this is an article by uh, Greg Morse. Uh-huh. It's called, Oh Beard, Where Art Thou? Oh, really? Yeah. Is it about what I was just saying? It's yeah, it's about it's about uh, how there's a connection between manhood and growing a beard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't do it for your job, I got it. Don't feel bad about it. But if you can, why not? Unless your wife doesn't like it. If it's, that's what I always default to. If your wife's like, you know what, I prefer you're clean shaven, then always go with what your wife Here's the, with, with what the, enjoy, what the wife you'll, likes. You'll enjoy this. You'll, you'll enjoy this. This is the last This is the last paragraph in this article. You, mm-hmm. you can look this up on Desiring God. Oh, beard, where art thou? He says, that makes literal beards, in my opinion, worth having. Beards protest against a world gone mad. In other words, beards beard. They testify in their own bristly way that sex distinctions matter, that manhood will not be so easily shaven, shorn, or chopped by the Hanuns of this world. Its itchy and cheeky voice bears witness, male and female, he created them. There you go. That's pretty good. (laughs) So there you go. And then, so of course, you've got this uh, quote by that. Spurgeon. Have you heard it? <clears throat> oh, Spurgeon's I've famous sh- quote. I've got a shirt that's. Oh, do you have, got you a, have shirt a shirt? That has a, uh, oh, I would have worn. I would have worn it today if I had known this is well, the direction we were got going. A, you've got John. Calvin I've got John Calvin with. He's his, got a weird his, beard with his his beard. He's yeah. got a strange beard, but he is French, so I'll give him a little grace. You know, they're they've got their quirks. They eat snails mm. and stuff, so he's got a strange skinny beard. You could pull. You could actually. Do that. <laughs> Listen to this. You could pull that skinny beard thing think, off. I've been told that I, uh, I've, I've been able to do that before. I've. You I, should try I, it I, at least so? once. I think I should try the the John Calvin beard. Yeah. Uh, listen to this uh, this line from this article. He says, "We paste false beards on women and shave the beards of men, catechizing the children that there isn't any difference." Mm. A pretty hard hitting article from uh, from Desiring God. They don't always have. Uh, they're not always. As direct as right, as this, so. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's right. Growing a beard is a habit most natural, scriptural, manly, and beneficial. Charles Spurgeon. Do you know the context of that quote? I don't. Have you read his Mm-mm. his lectures? Uh, lectures lectures to, my students? to my students. Yes, I've it's, read. That. It's in there. Yeah. Okay. That's that's where that's from. Um, he's talking about uh, protecting the voice, protecting your voice. Oh yeah, um, keeping the neck warm, huh? Well, he uh, he says that, uh, and Spurgeon's not a doctor. He's living in his no, own, definitely not. He's living he, in his own time period. He right? used he's to, living in the 1800s. He used to <clears throat> think it warmed his throat up to smoke a cigar before he preached. Yeah, I don't. I think it might have done the opposite. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's talking about guys that um, when they're out walking in the cold, they wear a scarf uh, around their necks, yeah. and he he says you should let your throat be exposed to the cold air. Um, and if you, if you really need something to cover your, your throat, grow beard huh. instead of wrapping a, a scarf around it. It is for sure. I, I don't know where he got his medical degree. I don't know yeah. where he's getting his, his information. <laughs> well, they did uh, I've like, got a beard and if it's really cold, I'll wear a scarf also. Yeah. So. That is back in the day when they were like leeching people and stuff. Uh, yeah. So, but that's the that's the context of the quote is in uh, in the context of of these pastors mm-hmm. and protecting their their voices. Yeah. So, right. 
What well, are we good doing? Good stuff. Today? The beard. What are we doing? Well, it's free for all Friday, like we said. <laughs> what are we doing here? This is uh, true free for all Friday. Uh-huh. I just gotta. I gotta bring something up. Okay. Um. This this man here, or I don't know that he's a man actually. This purple uh, dem- demigod Thanos uh-huh. from the Marvel universe. Let me show a little clip of him. Intro. The next video I'll show you. Um, when he meets Doctor Strange in Infinity War. He's on his home planet Titan. You know, he's talking about how he had a plan, and because the planet was overpopulated and all mm-hmm. this stuff, his plan was to wipe out half of this planet, or it would be unbiased to be at random, random draw for rich and the poor alike. But half the plant, half of the population, of the planet had to go because overpopulation was going to destroy the planet. Um, and so he's a, I mean, he's a good uh, secular humanist, right? And this is what he says. I'm going to play a clip of it. Let's listen to what he says about about mercy. You ready? I am. All right, check it out. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor. Who wants to murder trillions. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist. I call that mercy. There you go. All right, George. Mercy. If it all all six stones, he just snaps and ceases to exist. He has God godlike power. You know, you get all those stones, and then you uh, can mm-hmm. do anything. Right. So, um, um, you why, know what I'm going to show why, you next. In a why, why doesn't he just snap his fingers and uh, double all the resources in the double the size of the universe? In the universe. Um, that's because he is a psychopath. They call him a madman. He's a psychopath. Maybe he right? was. Yeah. Um, and so are the people uh, on The View. That's the perfect segue. Uh, a table full of psychopaths. Okay. So let's watch this next uh, clip, please. Okay. Anne Hathaway. I'm going into too many details. My own personal experience with abortion, and I don't think we talk about this enough, abortion can be another word for mercy. We don't know. We don't know. It's not a world in which we know that no two pregnancies are alike, and it follows. George, oh my goodness, George, it's a mercy. Killing a killing a baby is actually a mercy, George. Yeah, you wouldn't want that baby to be born to a poor family, would you? Would it be terrible? And of course, this is uh, the dirty little secret about how many uh, African American babies are aborted. It's a mercy, George. It's just a mercy. Women got to have the right to show mercy. Well, we talked about this when that uh, that individual contacted us. Months ago, right? Um, about how we should stop having babies. Yeah, because you're bringing these children into this terrible world, and they right. might experience suffering and hunger, and yeah, yeah, it's a mercy. Mm. But of course, this is uh, you know this is what you have to do when you uh, when you're appeasing your conscience and when people are are. Even if they're not believers, believers do this too. But people have to appease their conscience because God's given them a conscience to restrain evil. And so if you're going to purposefully go against that, go against everything in your nature as a woman, uh, which is to have a child and to nurture a child, um, you're going to have to redefine terms about things. You're going to have to redefine that this isn't really a baby, (coughs) which Uh, is crazy. Because in the next couple sentences, she'll call this a baby, mm. but then you know they'll right. change terms to call it a fetus all the time. You but, just know, you just don't know, Jay. You just don't know. Yeah, and, and then just you got to redefine know. the word uh, abor- abortion and mm-hmm. not 
murder or kill. And then, of course, now it's not even that. It's mercy. It's mercy. Um, yeah, so you. this is <clears throat> what people do when they sin. Believers do it too, though, to justify their sin, right? They'll not, oh, be, yeah. not be truthful about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, redefine words, redefine terms. Mm-hmm. Um to appease it's just a way to appease the conscience. Yeah. So I just thought I'd show that for show that to you. Yeah. That's the way it's going, right? <clears throat> I mean, uh planet's overpopulated. You know, we got a bunch of old people. We don't want them stuck in a, a nursing home. Uh we can't we don't have resources to take care of them. It's actually a mercy if we uh just get rid of them. That's where it's all going. Mm. <clears throat> came across this uh this article <clears throat> and uh the uh the headline just caught my attention. Mm-hmm. This is from PBS. Okay. You know what PBS is, Jay? Um yeah, I do. Do you know who funds? Well, yeah, we PBS? do. We we fund <laughs> we fund PBS. Right? <clears throat> Don't we the taxpayer? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, here's this, uh, this article, um, pull it up on the screen analysis, political rhetoric, false claims obscure the history of drag performance. Uh, yeah. What crazy, um, I can, uh, pull up the tweet. This was, uh, let's see if I can do this. There it is. This was a tweet from PBS. The recent headlines about disruptions of drag events and their portrayal as sexual and harmful to children can obscure the art form and its rich history. It's art form. uh, It's rich history. (laughs) (laughs) It's rich history. This, this, how long does this go back? How, How long? Anybody know? Anybody know how long this goes back? Drag may trace its roots to the age of William Shakespeare when female roles were performed by men. I think I think this I think uh, this goes way back longer. I mean, it wasn't drag, but men have been performing in women's roles. I think longer than Shakespeare, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they became a mainstay at gay bars throughout the 20th century and remain so. Can't believe it. I know it's so uh, weird. You learn so something weird. new every day, don't you? It's so weird. Yeah. You know where I learned about this drag stuff? Do you want to know? Sure. You want to know? Sure. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee number two, my friend. I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't uh, It wasn't Crocodile Dundee two. That's two of the greatest American movies ever made, by the way, George. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee one and two. Crocodile Dundee two, he goes to New York City. What, what about Crocodile Dundee three? I mean, it's it's all right. I mean, it's not bad. It's not it's not number one or two. But he goes to New York City, mm-hmm. um, or is it the end of one? Now I'm confused. He might go there at the end of one and two. He's there. I, I don't know. Anyway, he goes to a bar, and there's a girl there, like a large girl. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But it's not a girl. And he uh, he does a check because he's like super super country but in an Australian way, mm-hmm. and it's a dude. And that's I was like, what, what is this? Uh, then I, That's when I learned. That's when my innocence was lost. At that moment. At that moment, you can trace it back? Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. That was it. That's how I learned. <clears throat> but nowadays, they uh, you know you can learn in your local library. Mm-hmm. Learn in your local local library. So, what a strange world. It's almost like people were warning about this about ten years ago. You know. Like the direction we were he- headed, I believe. Like most pastors were warning about this stuff. Yeah, people people said that um, there's no slippery slope. There's no slippery slope here. There's no slippery slope involved. Yep, here we are now. You know what I always yeah, notice about P- you, got P- you got PBS uh, defending there's a uh, drag performances and its rich history. We can't <clears> show <throat> this clip. We can't show the clip because it's too vulgar. But the last one I saw of one of these drag shows was in Texas, mm-hmm. and I was surprised that something like this would happen in Texas. But, I mean, it, it, the dancing is super vulgar, and, like, yeah, the person is, like, barely has any clothes on. There's these little kids. Uh-huh. And guess who I didn't see in there? Guys. Men. No, no men. No men, yeah. No men at all. Mm-hmm. Because these women are going along with the culture right. and exposing their children to it. But where are the men at? No men, George. No men at all. Let's. This, uh, this is the problem. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Let's let's just play the devil's advocate and say that there is a rich history for drag performances. Mm-hmm. Um. The scriptures are clear that men shouldn't dress like women. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So even if there's a rich a rich history of it, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Basic. Just because something has a rich history doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. Child sacrifice has a a rich history. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, it goes back uh, far far earlier than drag performances. Yes. Um, but we wouldn't stand for that. Right. Human sacrifice, not just child sacrifice. Human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Got to, got to celebrate the. Uh, <clears throat> remember the when we had a. It was a Columbus Day. It used to be called Columbus Day. Now it's called Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh huh. There's a couple, couple of pe- memes people made of like the Aztecs, and uh, it's like Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, and it's like their own artwork. You know. Yeah. They're pulling some dude's heart out and like, mm-hmm. throwing it down the steps. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch Apocalypto. You ever see that? I've seen by Mel Gibson. I, yeah. I haven't seen all he, of it. He uh, he covers that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is every culture. It's not just the indigenous peoples that practiced human sacrifice. Right. I mean, it's on every continent on the planet. Yeah. Uh, you can dress it up however you want and call it mercy. You can put it behind sterile walls of some kind of medical clinic. We still are doing child sacrifice. Yeah. Um, you you they may not claim to be sacrificing their children to Molech. Or to uh, the sun god, or or whatever, but they're sacrificing their child for convenience, or their career, or mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever you want to. Right. Uh, they're they're still doing it, We're, even in our enlightened culture, um, in our advanced twenty first century America culture, we're still doing human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very true. <clears throat> we may have to do an episode on trans stuff because 
the, somebody actually submitted something. I can't remember what it, where it was at. They were like, hey, do one on Pentecost, which we've showed that person before, you know, that Pentecost person. We may have to do a, an episode on that. Like, uh, if you love women, then you have to fight against this. Yeah. It's so strange to me that um, the uh, the women who, who are so, like, at, you know, vocal and for women's rights are just cool with dudes, like, taking in, taking over their stuff and saying they're women. It's so strange. Yeah, and, and you... The... It's all just a big grift. And it should be so obvious because you've got these men dressing up like women and winning these awards and getting all the accolades, but you don't see the women dressing up like men getting the same mm-hmm. the same treatment. So you've got, you know, the weirdos in the Biden administration, mm-hmm. the the men that are dressed up like women and getting, you know, women of the year. You've got the dude that uh, thinks he's a, a woman swimming mm-hmm. with uh, you know the, the all-girls team and getting all this applause. Yeah. Um, you, you've, got, you've got men dressing up like women and winning beauty pageants. Hang on to it all, George. We're going to have to do an episode on it. Okay. Hang on to it. But you don't... I, I, I just you don't see the women dressing up like men getting this and you see that the it's the culture destroying women. Yeah. It's destroying women. Yeah. So men, men are going to have to start speaking up about this. Um I mean it's an attack. It's just an attack on women. Mm-hmm. Really on real women. Yeah. That's what that's what it is. So you'd think the uh, those those liberal women who are, you know, those rabid feminists, you know the kind, that rabid feminists mm-hmm. that nobody likes, like not even themselves. Yeah. You'd think they'd be speaking up. The women of The View. They, but they can't. Yeah, you'd think The View. But even like re- like J.K. Rowling, uh-huh. she she's uh, people, they try to destroy her. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Let's talk about this, though. Okay. The time we got left. Let's, this will be good. Let's, t- let's take this segment here will be about biblical interpretation. Right, so we come from the tradition that follows um, that where we we actually believe that there is a creator God who is personal um, intelligent super intelligent you know the perfection of all intelligence and communicates it interacts with his creation and with human beings and part of that is language so God condescends to us to communicate with us in ways we can understand. And since he's God, well, he would know how to communicate with us. And so we believe God's communication is recorded in Scripture, that the Scriptures are God's communication to humans. So, And he preserved that through time so that you could have access to it. So when we go to the Word, we're, we're, the Bible, we're going to it, and we're trying to actually say, okay, this is a language— and words have meaning inside sentences, right? And sentences, George, they have meaning inside paragraphs. Paragraphs, they have meaning inside the wider context, uh, maybe at we would call a thought uh, section or a chapter, and that has meaning inside the book as a whole. 
just like if I wrote you a letter or you wrote me one, I we'd actually read it that way. And that's the way we, we come to the Bible, mm-hmm. um, because that's how communication works. And we take it in other words, face, and we take it at face right. value, and we in, take it at face value. In other words, you read your Bible like you would read a book, right? Um, I uh, <laughs> I have an English literature degree, and I remember how revolutionary it was when several years after I graduated with this degree, <laughs> being confronted with this this very um, obvious idea that the Bible is a book and you read it like you would read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you wouldn't read it. You wouldn't, you don't read a, a book by just flipping it open to whatever and, and pointing right, and reading a sentence and ripping it out of its context. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what people do with their Bibles. Oh yeah. Um, you wouldn't read, you wouldn't read, um, a chapter in a book backwards or ignore ignore the the opening of a chapter and the the ending of the chapter and just read the middle of the chapter you'd start at the beginning and you would read it through to the end mm-hmm. that's how you read your bible right but that's how a lot of people don't read their bible right yeah um so the bible is it's more than a book it's it's a divinely inspired book so it's not harry potter Right. But it's not something less than a book. Right. We And so we should read it like it's a book. You know what we should do? We should do an episode on biblical interpretation. <laughs> are you Man, jotting these down? Or are you stacking, jotting down these? We're stacking them up, buddy. This is like down? the setup episode. Okay. This is like, a, what do yeah. they call this? The, uh, um, the prologue. Mm. Prologue to all... <laughs> Several future episodes coming. So uh, literal historical grammatical interpretation is one way that people describe this. So briefly, because we'll do an episode on it, literal historical grammatical, we read the Bible literally. Now what that doesn't mean is we throw all other considerations out the window. So if we come to apocalyptic literature, we don't think there's actually a gigantic monster coming out of the sea. Speak for yourself, Jay. <laughs> right. Well, there are there are some people who uh, who actually probably do think there's going to be a gigantic monster coming out. And so, or do we, nor do we read um, the Song of Solomon that way either. We understand that there is um, there's allegory. There's uh, there's all there's metaphor. There's all kinds of things that, and you should take those for what they are. Historical, you're gonna you're gonna get to the meaning of the text when it was written, right? Because the text can't mean something magically that it didn't mean then. So, you know, the people uh, will read who had access to John's letters and then Revelation, mm-hmm. they knew what he was talking about, mm-hmm. or Paul's letters, like they they knew what he was saying. We are to find that meaning before we can apply it. Um, to ours grammatical, which we already talked about, like we understand the grammar and all of that. Mm-hmm. If you want to actually know what God says, you have to do that. The, there's other methods. I mean, you got all kinds today, which we'll talk about. But what what made me think of this was this little picture you sent me, <laughs> and that's what I want to show. Okay, let's bring it up and we'll talk about it. So this, 
I don't know who made this. Where'd you find this? I don't even remember. You don't know where you found I don't this? even remember. I uh You sent this to me on Reformation Day. I'm I'm always I'm always uh farming memes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't this always know where I got easy, them from. Man. Yeah. So they got Martin Luther, he's nailing the 95 thesis on the on the church doors in Wittenberg. Who's this other guy over here? Is that his buddy? I don't know. Melanchthon, Philip Melanchthon? Maybe, I don't know. But the text says, if Martin Luther knew nailing his 95 thesis to the doors of the Wittenberg churches would eventually lead to lesbian bishops, rock concert worship, and grape juice communion, he would have just sucked it up and paid his indulgences. It's kind of a funny meme. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but it got me kind of thinking. It got mm-hmm. me thinking. What was the what was he critiquing? Like like he had an issue with how the Catholic Church was approaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? They had overlaid on top of it a, a greater authority. Right. The tradition of the the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And they were reading the Bible uh not how how we are promoting you read the Bible. So I found, oh, I think I got it. I think I can actually put it on the screen. I found this amazing thread. Let me see if I can pull it up before we switch. It's by uh, Brad Clawson. Dr. Brad Clawson works at um, the Master Seminary. And he, so he was my uh, advisor on my dissertation on the problem of evil and suffering. And he's, like really good. I think he's probably one of the sharpest guys there, and he's really, really hard. That's why I picked him because I knew he was gonna make make it like really good. Mm-hmm. And I showed, you. I came in and lamented to you for a little bit. I was like, I don't know if I should have picked this guy as my advisor. <laughs> so he, he he lists like he gives me this list of books. So I read as much in my degree as someone would for a PhD. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you just need to read this if you're gonna write on this. This is important. This is an important topic. And so he made me send him a schedule of when I would have all these books read by the mm-hmm. timeline. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad he did it. It was great. But listen to the look at this thread. It's just perfect for this little meme that you sent me. And it plays into a lot of the problems that plague the church today. Can you switch over to this? I'll read through it. It's kind of a longer thread. He says, "Not only did Luther rebuke Erasmus, so maybe can you can you tell the people who is Erasmus, and why are why are Luther and Erasmus like in a in an argument in a fight? Well, Erasmus was a Roman Catholic scholar, mm-hmm. um, and he was seeing a lot of the same abuses as as Luther, but he was not coming to the same um, conclusions. Uh, if you remember Luther's um, Luther's book, The Bondage of the Will, that was in that was in response to Erasmus. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Luther actually says that um, out of all the out of all the people who are um, in opposition, right, to uh, to the Reformation, uh-huh. he said Erasmus is the only one that's gotten to the heart of the issue. Right. And the heart of the issue is the bondage of the will. Uh huh. Um, can can man naturally respond to the gospel? Yeah, or has sin so right has sin so wrecked? Yeah, captivated him. Yeah, so that you're in bondage. Mm-hmm. He has one of the most hardcore takedowns of all time, Luther, in writing to Erasmus. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I do. So apparently he didn't. And in, in one instance, when Erasmus wrote and released 
a book or a pamphlet or something. Luther didn't respond. People were like, well, Luther's going to blow this up. He's going to, you know, whatever. And he waited like a whole year. Mm. And in the introduction to that, he said, I waited this long to respond, not because I wasn't ready, I remember, ready yeah. to or able, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because, but because I thought surely Erasmus can write something better than this, <laughs> than this tripe uh-huh. and will. Yeah. write something better, mm-hmm. but he never did, so I'll respond. I was like, <laughs> he's so savage, man. Yeah. So that's Erasmus Luther. All right. So he says, not only did Luther rebuke Erasmus for his regular retreat into allegory to avoid the simple meaning of biblical text, Luther rebuked Erasmus for his rationalism. Erasmus claimed that a literal approach to text about the state of the human will led to absurd conclusions, and this is rationally unacceptable. Luther counters, Absurdity, then, is one of the principal reasons for not taking the words of Moses and Paul literally. Human reason is offended, who, although she is blind, deaf, stupid, impious, and sacrilegious with regard to all the words and works of God, is brought in at this point as a judge of the words and works of God. So maybe let's stop for a second there and see what he's saying. Luther is saying human reason is so bound in sin that it's rendered us to the things of God blind, deaf, stupid, and impious, and sacrilegious. In, in regards to God's words and his work. So why then would I bring that in as the point, the main point, as the judge of God's words and his works? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's his, lo- his logic. He goes on to say, Luther pointed to, this, to the absurdity of such cardinal doctrines as the Incarnation. So the absurdity, according to the human will, as such do- cardinal doctrines as the Incarnation the virgin birth, Christ's crucifixion, and his ascension, all doctrines which we arrive at, by the way, by a literal interpretation. It is absurd to believe in such things, Luther says, but we must. Luther then points to where such reasoning had led others. Let us therefore invent some tropes with the Arians to prevent Christ from being literally God. Let us invent tropes with the, how do you say this, Manichees, to prevent his being truly human and make him a phantom that slipped down through the virgin like a ray of light through a piece of glass and was crucified. That will be a fine way for us to handle the scriptures, but tropes are no use and there is no avoiding the absurdity. It is often stated that a retrieval of the hermeneutic of Erasmus and Origen is the best way to counter the rationalism spawned by the Enlightenment, not according to Luther's arguments. Rationalism survives just as fine as Alexandrian allegory. So that last bit, people might understand. There is um, the the Alexandrian school was <coughs> allegorical in their interpretations. Mm-hmm. It's where you would get a lot of strange so give us uh can you give us a, an example of of allegory so i mean the most famous one is, is augustine's allegory of the good, the Sam- good samaritan good samaritan yeah well let's set, let's pull them in i want to pull them in i want to pull in the uh the two the two schools of interpretation we'll save that for later okay for that episode but think about what he's saying and it's it's totally clear. If we rely on human reason as the main uh, 
the main grounding of our interpretation, right? So not taking God at his word, like mm-hmm. that God knows how to communicate. He put down what he put down, and we can understand it. Uh, Luther says you're going to end up denying the incarnation, because that's an absurdity, which mm-hmm. is exactly what like um, agnostics do. They mm-hmm. say this defies all reason. Yeah, it defies reason. Right. Incarnation, virgin birth, Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, his ascension. Like, well, and the Trinity. He didn't put that on here, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is how people interpret the Bible today, and this is how we ended up. This is the linkage. So to that original meme. Luther was critiquing the very kind of hermeneutics that gave us lesbian bishops. Well, not us, because we don't have lesbian bishops, but the church as a whole. Lesbian bishops, rock concert worship services, mm-hmm. uh, grape juice communion. Eh, oh, But lesbian bishops, how did we get those? Was it from a literal interpretation of the text? No, I mean, they, they'll... they'll dance all around the the passages right. that are talking about homosexuality yeah. or women women preaching right being in those those leadership roles yeah um the 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 hermeneutics that they use are all over the place mm-hmm. but they're not just a straightforward literal interpretation of the passage right yeah so i don't agree with the meme though it's kind of funny meme that's a funny meme i would say he would nail it even harder yeah if he knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. So, and thank, just thank God. Like, these people should just thank God there's no time machine. Because if Luther was alive today, he would break Twitter. <laughs> Twitter would break. He'd break yeah. the internet. Mm-hmm. People would be trying to actually string him up and burn him, burn him alive. They, he'd be the most hated man in all of the Christian church. Yeah. Yeah, he would be. He'd be like a bull. He would literally be a bull in a china shop, just breaking everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but we've got to be nuanced, George. Got to be nuanced today, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? That's what they tell us. <coughs> winsome. Winsome. We yeah. Have to be winsome. Gotta be winsome. We have to be winsome. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Are you done? I'm all talked out. Shutting it down. Well, you got to shut oh, it down. Oh, I've got to shut yeah. it down. Oh, yeah, I did it twice the other day. Oh, that, that poor, means you got to do it twice. Poor Jay. Right? Poor Jay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, we've uh, we've been all over the place today. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and think about all the stuff that we talked about uh, before I can write a description for this episode. Uh, but hopefully it's been beneficial. Hopefully as we are um, bringing in some things that uh, some headlines and thoughts from uh, from our culture, it's uh, it's helping you to see where we are as a society. But then as we're critiquing it, hopefully you're seeing how we need to have a biblical worldview that's grounded on scripture and on the literal meaning of the word of god so if this has been helpful please make sure to like subscribe share uh please feel free to uh to write us a comment or ask a question and we will uh, do our best to uh, to address it on the show and we will see you next time